Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbrough, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. Matthew chapter 1, I want to do a series called Jesus, the best Christmas gift. And I think I'm going to make it a two-parter. Next weekend, I'm going to go more in detail. And next weekend, what I plan to do is kind of show you who you get when you get Jesus. So when we say Jesus is the best Christmas gift, you're all like religiously going, yeah, that's so good. Praise the Lord. But next weekend, I'm going to be fired up. And we're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about what you get when you get Jesus. Okay? Because I, I, I am convinced that most churches don't have a... They come to church every Sunday to worship Jesus and don't even know what they're unwrapping. And, and it's just so much more than you could ever imagine. And so we're going to do that. By the way, next weekend is Christmas Eve. The last time I checked, this is called Christmas Christ must, and we are called Christians, first word being Christ, right? And it's Christmas, Christ, and we are Christ, so we come to worship Christ, okay? So Christmas, and you're going to hear this all through this message, Christmas is about Him, right? That's what it's about. And so... People are like, well, we're going to have church on Christmas Eve? You bet your bottom dollar we are. Come on. We're going to celebrate Jesus. And you say, well, we have family in. Well, what you do is when you have family come to your house, you go in there and you turn every light in the house on about 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and you say, we're going to church this morning. Amen. It's Christmas. And we celebrate Christ in this house, and you just spent the night under this roof, so you're going to church too. And so you bring, well, what, well they didn't have clothes. Bring them in their pajamas. We can be like the Polar Express. I mean, we really don't care. Just bring them. Well, we shouldn't have church on Christmas Eve. Listen, does the devil stop because it's Christmas Eve? No, no, no. We're going we're gonna to punch him in the mouth. And next weekend, I'm going to give an altar call and everything, man. We're going to go at it. So if somebody's lost, they're going to get saved. Amen? Come on. We're not resting. In fact, Christmas is probably, during the holidays, it's probably one of the most depressing times for a lot of people. Did you know I read the other day that pornography goes through the roof in the hol- at the holidays? So that tells me the devil is doing his devilish, and we're going to do what we do. And we're going to punch him in the mouth. Can I hear a bit, another big amen? All right. Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. 
But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, because he will save his people from their All right, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message. Father, we pray it would be your words and not mine, that you orchestrated every word in this outline. And Father, we thank you for what you're about to speak to us today and over the next couple of weeks, and we give you glory for it. And the church said... Amen. So let's jump into this today. Someone tried to count the cost of the classic Christmas song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. They came up with a conservative figure of around $15,000. A partridge in a pear tree will run you around $34.99. Two turtle doves will run you around $50.00. Six geese a-laying will run you around $150, but then the price soars when you get to 11 pipers piping. That'll run you about $1,000. 12 drummers drumming, based on union recording rates, that will run you another $1,000. 10 lords a-leaping, about $3,000, and my obvious question was why? And, and where do you get them? I mean, you can't order them on Amazon, or maybe you can. I don't, I don't know. I've never tried. And so that's not all of them, but that's some of them. And you say, well, what does that have to do with this sermon? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I just thought y'all needed to know. All right, so let's jump into this. We're going to talk about Jesus, the best Christmas gift. Everybody say, Jesus, the best Christmas gift. Good job, guys. So four things about Jesus, the best Christmas gift. Here we are. Number one, if you're taking notes, and you should be. When you come to church, you bring a highlighter, you bring a notebook, and you bring a... What did y'all say? A pen and a Bible, but a Bible was what I was going for. So a highlighter, something to take notes with, and a Bible. All right. Everybody say the Bible. All right. So we're going to take notes. The reason we take notes is that God reveals revelation to us as we take notes. And then we can write it down and we can meditate on that. And you can actually take messages that I preach and do Bible study on it all week long. And so you want you to just let God reveal this stuff to you. And the second reason you take notes is the note takers are the first ones to go in the rapture. So anyway, no, that's not true, but it sounds good. Okay. Number one, are y'all ready? All right. Is it Okay. Camera guy, who's running camera? Is that Dave? I can't see. Dave, okay. Good luck. Okay. So number one, we're talking about Jesus, the best Christmas gift ever. I keep thinking I have a hoodie on. I want to put my hands in my pocket. Number one, the gift of Jesus is a surprise. The gift of Jesus is a surprise. Let me ask you a question. Do you have anybody in your life that you have to hide their Christmas gifts from them. Kirsten does. She's brave. Anybody else? Bill does. Bob does. Does Leanne do that? You have to hide your gifts from her? Okay. Do y'all have anybody in your family that actually when you're gone, if their gift is under the tree, they will unwrap it 
and then wrap it back after they see what it is. And, you know, they don't want you to know that they looked at it. Okay, Kirsten still has her hand up. So, all right. So for everybody who does that, we want to pray for you right now. We have a lot of anointing oil. We need to lay hands on you because you have the spirit of impatience on you. So anyway, there's people like that. When I was young, I knew I shouldn't have come down here. I knew I shouldn't have come down here. I'm on rabbit trails. I'm sorry. When I was young, I found all of my Christmas gifts, or most of my Christmas gifts. My mom and dad have a hall closet, and it's, it's deep. It's, it's not very wide, but it's deep. It has deep shelves. And I went in there one night to pull a sleeping bag out. And when I pulled the sleeping bag out, there was all my toys and so I discovered my toys and my gifts. And so, but what I will say about that is, is once you know what it is, then you have to act surprised on Christmas Day because you're like, oh, this is awesome. But you already knew. So it takes all the fun out of it. Am I right? But God's gift to us was a complete surprise. It was not expected. God's gift to us was a complete surprise. And as you open it, you realize what an incredible gift this really is. When you open up Jesus, and next week we're going to open him up, man. We're going to show you what you get when you get Jesus. Here's number two. This gift came in the humblest of wrappings. What would you think on Christmas morning if you came into the living room and your gift under the tree was wrapped in old, dirty newspapers or some type of lesser wrapping? What would you think? Well, first of all, you would assume that it was not a nice gift. Am I right? Jesus Christ came in the most humblest of wrapping. They wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and then they laid him in a livestock feed trough. Now, I, I'm a horse guy, and I've had horses most of my life. And I, I, I don't know about all the cows. I do have a little idea about cows, but I don't know about all livestock. But I know horses, and livestock feed troughs are messy. They get their slobber all over it. I mean, it's just a mess. They, they poop in them sometimes, and you have to clean it out and all that kind of stuff. They laid Jesus in a livestock feed trough. That's, that's how humble this wrapping was. Christ came to us conceived spiritually by the Holy Spirit. Not a man, but by the Holy Spirit. Not in grand wrapping, but in the humblest of wrappings. If anything, to me, this gives us better insight into Jesus. And it gives us better insight into God and how he operates. The Bible says the first shall be last. So what we have here is an upside-down kingdom. Everything God does is upside-down. It, it's not like we think. It's not like we, you know, we uh, process Christ Christ. And God, they do things different than the way we do it. And we can see this with the birth of Christ. It was different. Here's number three. The third thing about this gift is we don't deserve this gift. At Christmas, we give gifts to people that we care about, people that we love. Is that right? How many of you know, we don't give gifts to people that we don't like. We don't give gifts to our enemies. Is that right? But God gave his very best gift at a time when we were his enemies. He didn't give us this gift because we deserved it. No, quite the opposite. Romans 5, 8 says this, God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ what? He died for who? 
He died for who? He died for us. God demonstrated His love for us that while we were still sinners, that He died for us. God is holy and our sinful nature, our selfish nature, separates us from a holy God. But God's gift was given to us even in sin. Because of sin, we were His enemies. Because of sin. Here's the fourth one. This gift was well thought about. Jesus, the best Christmas gift, was thought about. There was a lot of thought that went into this gift. When you give a gift, it requires thought. It requires effort. And hopefully, it is something they want and can enjoy. That is the way it was with God. When God looks at you, He cares about you and He cares about what you need. And I don't know if anyone has told you this or maybe you haven't heard it in a while, but God loves you. He loves you so much. The most memorized scripture in the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that He did what? Come on church, I need to hear you say it again. He did what? He gave the best Christmas gift ever. He loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave the best thing heaven could give. He gave Jesus. Balcony, I'm coming for you. Just hang on, I'll be up there in a minute. He gave His best Christmas gift ever. And what was His name, church? Come on, we sang about him this morning. What was his name? Jesus. Jesus. Come on, shout it out again. Jesus. God was thinking about what we needed before the foundations of the earth, long before there was a town called Bethlehem, long before there was a garden called Eden, long before there was a county called Union, long before there was a city called El Dorado. God was thinking about you. And he was thinking about me. Think about this. Think about... Jesus, and when He came to this earth, that God sent Him. Mm. Me and my son were talking about this the other day. I, I mean, we just got plum excited. Thinking about Jesus and the gift that He was. God was thinking about you. Make no mistake about it. This gift given to us was the most sacrificial gift God or anyone else could have ever given. This was the best thing that it could ever be given to anybody. Can I get on a soapbox for a minute? It is Christ must, not X must. It is Christ must, not X must. So I told Pastor D that he is going to have to fix that video camera. So I'm on here so you can see me so I can walk back there. But I was in a place, a business, a few years ago. And I walked in this place that I frequented. Now, this was a few years ago. I walked into this place, and right there was a billboard when I walked in the door, and it said, Merry Xmas. And I knew the owner. So if all the politically correct people can get offended, I can get offended too. I have that right, and I'm not ashamed. So I said, I want to see the owner. I want to talk to him. Let me see him. Well, he's gone. I said, well, where's the manager? So he came out, and I said, I want you to know something. I don't like that sign. 
And he knew me. And he said, Jason, Jason. He said, don't, don't make that a big deal. He said, it's just an abbreviated version of Christmas. And he said, it's just, Christmas is just too big of a word. And he said, don't, just keep your, just keep calm. It's okay. And I said to him, I said, what about Thanksgiving? I said, I have never seen an advertisement that says X giving. And, and get this, Thanksgiving is a longer word than Christmas. I am, I'm 48 years old. I have never seen a sign that says, uh, what do we say, happy X-giving. Have you all ever seen that? What I'm saying to you is, even if it's subliminal, there is a demonic push, even for innocent people who don't know any better, that have no clue what they're doing when they write Xmas, subliminal, whatever way you want to call it, there is a demonic push to get Christ out of Christmas. There is a devil that hates this holiday and hates celebrating the Christ of Christmas. Jesus, the best gift ever. That, come on, give the, give the Lord a hand clap. There is a demonic push. Christmas in its truest sense is all about Christ and you cannot take Christ out of Christmas and be true. Listen to me. You cannot be true to the context of Christmas without Christ. If we celebrate Christmas without an understanding of who He is, it becomes simply a commercial holiday focused on temporary gifts and temporary pleasures. That's all it is. It is a... Um, What's it called? Retail. It's a retail holiday where all the stores make billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Now, I'm not against that. I'm not against gifts and all of those things. And we do it for our families. And, you know, we celebrate the Christmas lights and all of the above. We just, we just spent a week doing that. But I'm going to tell you that is not what Christmas is fully about. Christmas is about Christ. It is not some temporary gift. I, I'm 48 years old, and I could not tell you, I cannot remember all the Christmas gifts that I've ever gotten. I, I don't remember. I remember a few of them that stand out when I was a kid, and some as an adult, but I can't remember all the Christmas gifts I've gotten, and you can't either. But I remember this one. And on Chris, if Christmas is on Christmas Eve or Christmas is on Christmas Day, I'm going to show up at church and I'm going to celebrate him. Can I hear an amen? I'm going to celebrate Jesus, what the real meaning of Christmas is all about. It is so much more than that. It is Jesus, the best gift ever. Eternal life offered to all who believe. Long before the wrapping paper has been discarded, the decorations are down, the tree is in a box in an attic, the gift of God's love. The gift of God's forgiveness is available every single day of every year that God is available to us. Emmanuel! God with us. Hallelujah. The best gift to us all, all through the year. The real meaning of Christmas, don't miss this, is about knowing the God who made you, who loves you, and provided the most amazing, best gift ever. I come across this uh, poem the other day, 
And the other night we celebrated Christmas as a family and, and uh, we took some time one night and we cleared our schedule. We didn't go do holiday things. We just stayed there in the house that we had rented. I had all the kids come around and we talked about Jesus. And I read on this poem and I decided I would read it to you. The author of this poem is unknown, but I want, to listen, want you to listen to the words of this poem. He rewrote the poem, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." Listen to this poem. Everybody awake? Listen to the poem. "'Twas the night before Jesus came, and all through the house not a creature was praying, not one in the house." Their Bibles were lying on the shelf without care in hopes that Jesus would not look there. The children were dressing to crawl into bed, not once ever kneeling or bowing ahead. Mom in her rocker with her baby on her lap was watching her iPad while taking a nap. When out of the east there arose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet to see what was the matter. To the windows I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, but angels proclaiming that Jesus was here. Light like the sun sending forth a bright ray, I knew in a moment this must be the day. The light of his face made me cover my head. It was Jesus returning to earth just like he had said. And though I possess worldly wisdom and wealth, I cried when I saw him in spite of myself. In the book of life which he held in his hand was written the names of every single man. He spoke not a word as he searched for my name when he said, It's not here, my head hung in shame. The people's names who had been written with love, he he gathered together to take to his Father above. With those who were ready, he rose with the sound, while all of the rest were left standing around. I fell to my knees, but it was too late. I had waited too long and thus sealed my fate. I stood and I cried as they arose out of sight. If only I had been ready this night. In the words of this poem, the meaning is clear. The coming of Jesus is drawing near. There's only one life. And when this life comes to the last call, we'll find that the Bible was true after all. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. It is hard to read this poem and listen to this poem and not be sober-minded that any moment Jesus Christ is coming. And one day those eastern skies are going to part. But I'm thankful for Jesus, the best gift ever. And today we live in what theologians call a dispensation of grace. That means there's an open window right now where we can actually receive the gift of Jesus. And one day, that, that window will close as we know it now. And the church will be raptured up to be with Jesus. And what I'm trying to say today is Jesus is coming very, very soon. Be ready. That's right. The other afternoon, we were, um, we were coming home from our trip on Monday. And um, by the way, let me say this first. 
Over the last two weeks, I haven't felt very good. I've had all this sinus stuff. Has anybody else had this stuff going on? I mean, it's like, you know, 29 at night and 75 in the day. It's like the barometric pressure in your head is just like all over the place. And so I haven't felt good. In fact, two weeks ago when I preached, I had such a sinus headache, I couldn't even pay attention. Like, I, it was hard for me. That was, a, that was the Lord that I made it through that message, and I actually listened to it, and it was pretty, pretty doggone good. So, but, you know, you know, I have to brag on myself. So anyway, but um, anyway, so I could not pay attention. I was, my head was hurting so bad as I preached to you guys. I, was, I just had a terrible headache. I did not feel well. And I left here to go home to get something to eat. And Alicia had worship practice at 2. And I, I got out of here and talked to some folks. And then I went on home to, to get something to eat. And I pulled in my driveway. And when I killed the truck, you know, turned the truck off, there was a beam of sunshine. Now, I run, never run fever. I, I never run fever with this, but I just didn't feel well. And the sunlight was shining through, and it felt warm on my skin. And I just, I, I was so tired, I couldn't hold my head up. And I, and I was sitting there in the truck with this beam of sun. I thought, man, this feels good. And I laid my head back. And the next thing I know, I'm out. I'm asleep in my truck. I, I woke up 30 minutes later. And, and I mean, when I say I was sleeping, I mean like the good sleep where you're like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my neighbors think I'm a heroin addict. So, <laughs> I mean, I was just asleep right there in the driveway. And, and my neighbors were all playing, you know, the kids and the neighbors were having a party out there. And they're all, probably all just pointing at me, you know. I'm over here on this hill, and I'm like, I, I just didn't feel good. And where am I going with this story? Okay, never mind, I remember. Okay, so I don't know what's worse, the medicine or the sickness, I was on so many decongestants, I couldn't, if you asked me my name, I couldn't tell you what my name was. And I have just felt bad, so I've progressively been getting better, but I just hadn't been myself, so I apologize. But I was coming home, and I just, I still didn't feel well. And as I was approaching, you know, getting closer to El Dorado, we'd been in that truck, and I was just sick of being in that truck, and I was tired, I don't feel good. And I'm thinking as I'm approaching El Dorado, I'm thinking, I've got so much to do. I mean, I've got all this stuff to do. And I'm thinking, okay, what order am I going to do it in? But I couldn't form thoughts. You know, have you ever been there? Like, you just can't form thoughts. Like, I got to do this and do that. And I'm coming around this curve. And as I come around this curve, there is a flagger standing in the middle of the highway with a stop sign. And I mean, I had just literally moments to stop that truck. I didn't think I was going to stop it. I thought I was going to run over him. And I was like, oh, I was like, you know, I started, oh my gosh, you know. And Alicia, she's reading. She wasn't paying attention. And then, of course, she's, ah, you know, and exaggerates everything. So anyway, <laughs> we'll have marriage counseling later. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> so I'm stopping the truck. And I mean, it, was, it, it felt like we went, my bumper of my truck went right up to this guy's legs. I mean, it was just that fast I had to stop. And he's sitting there. And as I'm approaching this guy trying to stop, I am ticked off. And I'm like, where are the signs? And I was fixing to, I was, I had, I'm glad I already took up the offering. <clears throat> Jerry, I wanted to go postal on this guy. 
I was fixing to jump out of the truck and say, you almost got me and my wife killed. Where are the signs? I was offended. I need to hear the bait of Satan. (laughs) I was so angry. And I was going to jump out and give him the what for. And as I'm going toward my door handle, I'm not always sanctified. I was going through to my door handle to jump out. I didn't feel good and I medicated. I'm fixing to jump out and go postal on this guy. Flashes of two orange signs hit my brain. And I said, there were signs. There were signs, and I ignored them. And I remember, I didn't read them, but I remember two orange signs about yay high in the middle of the highway. But I didn't read them. And after I thought about it, because that shook me up. I mean, it scared me. And it just, it stayed with me for a little bit. And as I thought about that, I said, that's the way, when Jesus comes, that's the way it's going to be. There were signs the whole time. And we were so busy, so preoccupied, so high, drugged. You know, when Jesus comes, I wonder if we're going to go through a cloud of, of marijuana smoke to get out of here. <laughs> Like people are so high, they don't even know nothing about Jesus. You know, they're seeing Jesus or something. I don't know what they're seeing, but anybody know what I'm talking about? We're going to be so preoccupied that all the signs are here saying, I'm coming. I'm coming. And we're ignoring the signs in front of us. Question, have you accepted Jesus? Are you living ready to meet Christ if He comes? Like all gifts, it has to be recognized and it has to be received. Everybody say recognized and received. This is not in the notes, but there's only two things you can do with Jesus. You either receive Him or you reject Him. Only two things. Two things. Two things only. You receive Him or you reject Him. That's all you can do with Jesus. This is good. I wrote this in the notes. You cannot remain neutral. What does the Bible say in Revelation? What did he tell the church of Laodicea? I I would rather you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, in other words, if you're neutral, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Are we ignoring the signs? What do you do with this decision? Because what you do with this decision of Jesus... What you do with this Christmas gift here decides your whole eternity, and it decides where your eternal address will be. What you do with this gift. There really is a heaven and there really is a hell, and God has prepared heaven for you. In Matthew, Jesus tells us that hell was never created. Hell was never created for humans. Hell was created for the devil and his fallen angels. Why? Because they rebelled against God. And rebellion against God is called sin. If you go to hell, it won't be because God sent you there. It'll be because when offered the greatest, best gift ever, you turned your back and you rejected Him. Today, I am not your judge. I'm actually your best friend. And I love you enough to tell you because you never know when your time is coming. Quick story. i got a little time here. I'll tell this story. I didn't know if I would, but I'm going to. i got some time. This uh, pastor that I know indirectly, 
So I know someone who knows him. I don't know him, but I know someone who does. He had, uh, one Sunday morning, he gave an altar call. This was not too long ago. This was, my understanding, a few months ago. He gave an altar call. A husband and a wife stood up and they walked to the front of the building and they gave their life to Jesus. In the altar, he told them, he said, I want you to get baptized in water. And he said, in fact, next Sunday, and this was the conversation between the three of them. It wasn't before the congregation. I mean, they were in the room, but they couldn't hear what they're saying. He said, I feel strong that you need to get baptized next weekend. And we're going to make that happen. So the next Sunday, they get baptized. The pastor baptizes them, both of them, kind of like we did with husbands and wives. They're both in the baptism pool. He baptized both of them that Sunday morning. That Sunday night, while they were sleeping, both, this couple were both in their early 40s. That night, that woman never woke up. She died. But she died having accepted Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Hebrews 9, 27. It is appointed unto every man once to die and then the judgment. A wise person lives every day ready to meet the Lord, doing everything to promote their growth in Christ and others. I don't know about you, but man, I want to be ready when he comes. I want to be about his business when he shows up. And I want to hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on, y'all can clap. So here it is. Miss Marianne, if you'd come to the platform, play something for me. My hope and prayer for you this Christmas As I think about you at Christmas, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, that when you close your eyes to go to sleep, that you have the assurance that you're ready to meet the Lord. That's my prayer for you. That five seconds after you die, you can know where you will spend eternity. I uh, sat in a room the other day talking with someone about eternity. And I told them what I'm going to tell you. I've been a pastor for 22 years. And I don't just preach old people's funerals. I have preached little kids' funerals. I've preached young adults' funerals. And every time I do, I'm reminded that it happens to us all. The Bible says there's three things that you must do. Number one, you must recognize you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin separates us from a holy God, but Jesus, the best gift ever, has bridged the gap between a holy God and unholy people. Number two, you repent of your sin. Jesus said in Luke 13, unless we repent of our sin, we cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Repentance means to turn your back on sin and quit ignoring the signs and turn your heart towards God. Number three, you receive Jesus Christ and there's only one sacrifice for sin once and for all. 
and his name is Jesus. Revelation 13, 8, I alluded to it a moment ago. From the foundations of the earth, God knew what humanity would need the most, and he provided this gift through his sinless son, Jesus. So today I want to ask you some questions. In Luke chapter 14, I was reading this the other day, and talks about a great banquet. In fact, let me look that up. Luke chapter 14, it talks about a banquet. And all these people were invited to this banquet. You get down here at the bottom of Luke 14. And he invited these people to the banquet and one of them said, I just bought some land. I got things to do. And one of them said, I just bought some oxen. I can't wait to try them out. Just bought a new rifle. I'm ready to shoot it, you know. Just got a new deer stand. I got to try it out. I just bought a new boat. I need to go take it down the lake for a spin. We just got a bonus. We need to go on a vacation. And they gave all of these reasons of why they were not ready for the banquet. They were too busy. So what I want to ask today, if you would stand to your feet. I got two invitations today and I feel this. Oh my Lord, I feel this. I didn't mean to go to Luke 14, but it just happened. Wow. Had no idea. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So the first invitation is, you can guess it, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never accepted Christ. Second invitation, if you've accepted Christ, but you're a prodigal that's walked away and you have not lived for God like you should, is today the day, because you're not promised tomorrow. But here's my third invitation that I was not expecting. If you're here, and you're too busy. There's a banquet coming one day. There's a banquet coming. A celebration that's coming. And will you be there? Or are you too busy? Are you too busy? Life has gotten in the way. And you got to run here and you got to run there. And we got to do this, got this party, this party. I don't, I don't know, man. You, you name it. There's all this stuff that I got to do. And I don't have time. I don't remember the words, but it's something to the effect of at the end, the master says, basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, they're just too busy to come. They're just too busy to come. Heads bowed and eyes closed in this room. If you're here today, I want to ask you, would you be bold enough and brave enough there's a big sign flashing in front of you today. I hope you've seen it. I hope you listened. I hope you didn't ignore the signs. And Jesus is tugging at your heart right now. And there's an invitation to a banquet. And today, if you fit any of those descriptions in that invitation, I want to ask you to come and meet me right here down front. 
If you want to accept Jesus, if you're a prodigal that wants to come home, or thirdly, you're like, Pastor, I've been too busy. I'm tired of being busy, and I want to come back to the Lord. Would you meet me right here? Come on, would you meet me right here? Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.